Well, what, a, what an interesting day it's been so far. It'll continue to be interesting and be captivating uh, for many different reasons. Um, did, you, did you catch the scripture reading? Like, I know we read it, but did we capture it? And did it capture us? Because the last two verses that we read out of Luke 1 were this great promise of a king. I want you to just hear these words again. They're not going to come up on your screen again because we've got to do a few things. But this is what the Bible says. This was the promised uh, to Mary. This is what the angel said. He says, he will be great, this king, this son. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There is no end to the reign and rule of King Jesus, whether he's a baby or adult, whether he's here on earth or reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father. There is not one bit of darkness that he doesn't reign and rule over and say it's mine. There's not one bit of darkness that he's not spreading his spotlight of love and justice over. Such good news about this true and better king that has come and will come again. If you're new this morning, or perhaps you haven't been with us during Advent, let us be reminded of what Advent is and, and um, has been for us this season. We started two weeks ago when we talked about hope, and we, we entered into uh, the book of Romans. And as we did, we read one verse, Romans 15, 4, that said the scriptures, the Old Testament, was written down for our encouragement so that we might have hope, a hope for a future, from certainty and what God's character is really all about, that he is our true and better priest, and that's what we talked about last week. In the order of a word or a name that many of us maybe had heard but had no idea what it meant, and then I can't tell you how many people have come to me and be like, okay, I've never heard about that before, and praise God that we would come to church, be rooted in the scriptures, and we'd be encouraged. This is exactly what he said he would do. This guy named Melchizedek, that, that Jesus would be the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, and what that meant is that his priesthood would never end. And what does Jesus do in his priesthood? He sits and he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's praying for us. We're never suffering alone as a result. We're always in need of that prayer from our King Jesus. And today, as we look to these three offices of priest, of king, and then prophet, today we are going to understand this true and better king that was promised a thousand years before he came to David and then would become the son of David to reign and rule not just over Jerusalem and not just over Zion, and not just over Jacob, but over us, the spiritual people of God. And so that was the promise that was given to Mary. That is the promise that we have seen fulfilled in history. And it is the promise that we look forward to. And how will we know that he will make good on the promises? Because he has always made good on them, good on them in the past. So today, the true and better king comes. And we celebrate that. We understand that in new ways. It's not just uh, a, a king like David who defeated a giant named Goliath, but it is a king named Jesus who defeated the giant of sin and death. And he didn't use his kingdom and he didn't secure his kingdom through manipulation, but instead freely gives his kingdom to all who would believe. And we have a great privilege today, y'all, to hear about how it is that Jesus isn't just king over us, we can, we can get into a rhythm of life where we come and we go on a Sunday or we come and we go into our groups, our neighbor groups or whatever we do. 
But man, today's special because we get to hear about our supported missionaries from Zimbabwe, uh, Jeff and Renee Smith, along with their kids. Uh, their kids might share. We'll see. We're praying that they would share. Uh, Seamus and Layla, if they don't want to share, that's fine too. No pressure. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna enjoy uh, the kingship of Jesus. That He's not just over uh, Lord of 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 us. He's the Lord over all nations. And uh, to be reminded of that, we're going to get to hear from them. And so, Jeff and Renee, would you come up and share with us what you've seen the Lord do while you've been in Zimbabwe for the last uh, 15, 18 months-ish in that window? Um, And as they're coming up, and I'll hand this microphone off, but on our connection table is an updated prayer card for them. If you didn't get one on your way in, grab one on your way out. These are one of three missionaries that we support across the world. Um, you've heard about uh, India. You know India. You know Beak. You've met him. You may have known and, and met the Smiths. And so uh, what opportunity for us to hear from them today. And then we have the Rose that are in Thailand. Hopefully they'll come back one day and we'll be able to hear from them as well. But uh, Jeff and Renee, we're really glad that you are here. We're really grateful that you guys are going to share. And um, so we just are expectant. Can I pray for you one more time? And then um, I'll hand it off and we'll be rolling. Uh, Lord, we're really grateful for the Smiths, their faithfulness. They're going to share a lot about their story, I'm sure. I pray that we'd be challenged, that we'd be encouraged for people that are right in our uh, age bracket, like giving up all the things that they had uh, purposed to build here in the America, in the American dream. And um, kind of forsaking all that and going, you know what, there's a better kingdom to live in. And, uh, and a better king to reign and rule over our lives. And so we're grateful for them. I pray that you would encourage us, prepare our hearts to receive whatever it is that you would have. Holy Spirit, do your thing. Move in us. Uh, uh, would you break our hearts? Would you um, encourage us? Would you um, uh, bring to light the things that we have hidden in the dark so that we may be uh, set apart and following you and you alone? We love you and we're grateful. We pray, Lord, for the Smiths to be able to uh, bring your word and to share the story that you're writing in their heart over the world, uh, that you uh, truly do reign and rule over all things. We love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, y'all. It is so good to be home. We've been a lot of places as we were together last. I think the last time we were together was more than two years ago-ish. Two, two and a half years ago we were together. And man, these little eyes have seen a lot since we've been gone. For those who, this is our first introduction to the Smith family, officially, we were Fort Bend County farmers for a long time, 36 South in Needville. And we built something that we were pretty proud of called the Berry Farm. And it grew in size and stature, to steal a Christmas phrase. Until there was a tug on our hearts that the... Um, I'll just say, the the tug was sell everything you have and give it to the poor, which is preposterous when the Lord calls you into that. (laughs) Like, how do you even do that? Well, uh, hang out with me for a while and I'll tell you how you do that. So we sold our farm, our business, all of our stuff, and were invited to Zimbabwe. Um, The reason why we gave away to the poor instead of selling and then taking and investing in Zimbabwe is because we didn't want to impose our will on somebody else. We wanted to be part of what they were already doing, which was building the kingdom for the king. So my family did something crazy. We sold everything we had, gave it to the poor, and then followed him to Zimbabwe. While we were here, not only did we run the berry farm, I was an ER nurse at the former St. Luke's Episcopal Hospital downtown. Um, 
worked there for 10 or 11 years, and we planted churches in and around Houston. So this is kind of how we ended up to the mission field, is because we had this diverse set of, is there anybody in the world looking for a church planting, entrepreneur, farming, healthcare worker family? And the answer to the rest of the world is uh, everywhere. So we were called to Zimbabwe. Um, we didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> well, we knew what we were doing. We, we knew we were following the king with all that we have. We didn't, there's no way to plan on what happens when you land in Africa the next week. Um, but we knew we were being invited to an overwhelming kingdom experience. And what was really happy is he was putting us into a place of a teachable pasture and posture by the king. He's shown us that each and every time he shows up in our lives, he changes the rules of the game, not just tweak the symptoms. Christmas is one of those times where the rules of the game were changed instead of just augmenting a part of the process. This is the big thing that I learned in Africa in the last year and a half was no more Church of Jesus Christ just tweaking the symptoms of our lives, just putting the band-aids on our little hurts. That's not what the incarnate king, that's not what the kingdom about. The kingdom is a radical change and shift of changing the whole entire rules of the game. Um, we went to Zimbabwe to do something, which we'll talk about in a minute, and what he called us to was even crazier than sell everything you have from your Fort Bend County farm and go to Africa, which is my kind of Jesus. Let me read you something. This is not gonna come up on the screen, I'm a pretty boots, plain spoken kind of guy, so I'm gonna read from the message. This is not the most, uh, so let me just read from the message. This is Philippians 2. Some of this you already know, but I like the way Eugene Peterson just kind of gives it as it is here. So just hear this at Christmas time from a missionary family. Philippians 2. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love have made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Let me pause there for a second. By the way, Paul's writing this near the end of his life from prison. So what he's writing, be nice to one another. He's in chains. Think of yourself the way Jesus, Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, becoming human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was actually an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life that died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created things in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. What I'm getting at is this, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've been doing from the beginning. 
when I was living among you, you lived a responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you, God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Um, that means a lot to a family that's um, done something like we've done. What it means is, to me, is that the king is on the throne and that the king has us. Not only does he has us, but he propels us. I, uh, could, I don't know if it's normal, but I could barely sing that uh, Emmanuel chorus. I don't know anybody else cutting onions during that song, or it's just me, but the thought that I should rejoice because God with us is on his way. <laughs> and what you hear from us coming up and what you sing today, I want to encourage you, if you're like me at all, don't take it corporately, don't take it commercially, don't take it theologically, don't take it mentally. Take this story, God's story, personally, really personally. Emmanuel, with us, change the us to the me, and then live life like he came for me. Um, anyway, a rabbit trail, but I wanted not to let that moment pass. So as Lance mentioned, we left around 16, almost 17 months ago. And we want to try to do our best. Forgive us from reading for our notes a lot. We have a lot of information to try to help give you guys a little picture of what we see and what we're doing and um, what we have found when we arrived to Zimbabwe. So we landed in August of 2018 to a new government post a military coup with subsequent contested election results that brought violence into the streets. We started a language and culture study, Jeffrey and I did, for about six months. We learned um, some of the language of Shona, which is um, the most common native language that they have there. However, English is widely spoken, it's widely used, even out in the rural areas, you can usually find somebody who can speak English. So. But we spent a good six solid months learning that. And we can understand um, what people are talking about. Saying multiple sentences is a little bit difficult for me. Um, but we can understand and get the gist of what people are talking about. We've explored the country. We've walked with elephants and lions. And we've tracked rhinos on foot. We've fished for tiger fish that we never caught. Isn't that the way it always goes? And um, my family ziplined over one of the highest, uh, the highest waterfall in Zimbabwe and the second highest in Africa. And I took the pictures. Um, <laughs> our children, Layla is now 15 years old. She's an orchestra. And she has enjoyed um, doing some debate in World Scholar classes. And um, up until they finished the school year um, a couple weeks ago, she was learning three languages, um, Greek, Shona, and French. She will continue on with French um, throughout the rest of her high schooling in Zimbabwe. And Seamus is now 13 years old. And he became the house captain um, in his final year of Gateway Primary School. He just finished seventh grade. And he will join Layla when we return to Zimbabwe for, um, it's a co-ed. It's called the Hellenic Academy. Um, there's a lot of boys and girls schools. So we were happy that both of our kids could get into the same school. We feel like this may be a possibility of us running around a lot less. But we'll see how that works out. They both have adapted really well, um, and we're super proud of them. And I'm going to try to earn mom points and not talk anymore about them. 
So since we've been in Zimbabwe, we have also seen violence fill the streets. We've seen dozens of people abducted and beaten. We've seen human rights workers die in prison and acquaintances of ours being taken by the police. But through all of this, our family has always remained safe. We've seen the local currency hyperinflate faster than Venezuela in the last six months. Um, for an example, for the people there, when we arrived, bread was about a dollar a loaf, and it's a staple food, um, especially for the men. And when we left, it was over $15 a loaf in their local currency. Um, fuel was about um, over $4 when we arrived, a liter, and when we left, it was $17 to $19 a liter. <clears throat> And it's very difficult to find. We've been watching the news. People will wait in um, line overnight just to try to get fuel in their vehicles. Uh, we've seen the government shut off the internet to prevent the spread of information during demonstrations and protests. Ask our parents um, what they thought about that. You know, they literally turned off the entire internet for the whole country. Um, it was a little unsettling. But um, we hunkered down and um, played games and did puzzles and watched movies and took naps. So it lasted for about two and a half days or so. Something that would never happen here. Um, we've seen protesters marching against the United States in the streets um, to the capital of the capital, um, Harare, to the slogan, remove evil sanctions, sorry, remove evil illegal racist sanctions. Um, we live in a country where some young girls in impoverished families are married off young um, for the bride price or the dowry, as there's no chance that they can go to um, compete, um, let alone finish school. Um, our hearts are crushed as we see and know that there are parents around that have to even think, I can't afford to keep her. Most girls um, in Zimbabwe, I don't know what the percentage is, it's very high, don't even finish high school. Um, they may finish elementary school. We've seen people with master's degrees be unemployed for months and even years at a time. We've seen the water cut off for the entire city because they can't afford the chemicals to treat the water and repeated and deadly outbreaks of cholera. Those who have working wells um, will share or will sell water to people around them and wait in line for hours to get water. We've known women who spend most of their day fetching water and gathering firewood to cook for their family and heat water for bathing. We've come to know that poverty and hopelessness isn't faceless. It isn't far off, and it isn't inferior of intellect, lack of ambition, or desire. It's systemic, it's structural, and it is changeable. We've loved fast and we've made um, many Zimbabwean friends, both black and white, who are loving, caring, and supporting. And many of them have become like extended family to us. In Zimbabwe, like many other countries, relationships take a higher priority over money or power. Our relationships have paved the way, paved the way for us in many ways. Your network your, is your net worth. We have taken several opportunities to travel to different contexts and purposely ask Zimbabweans to teach us about their lives, their hopes, and their goals for their own country and their own people. We've been to rural, we've been to urban, and we've been to peri-urban, think high density. And each of them have different hopes and goals for their lives. It isn't our primary mission, but my, my former life is still spilling over. So we recently hosted two physicians from uh, here, from Houston, 
who came to do an exploration. And what they found was 33% of women under 18 have given birth at least once already. So the demographic in Zimbabwe is young. 50% of Zimbabwe is younger than 25. And in the, that percentage, 60% of that is women. So Zimbabwe is young and it is female. So they're working on a project with um, a department at Facebook to take a portable ultrasound called the butterfly and connect it to your smartphone to create an algorithm just to see if they could stratify, can you give birth at home? Do you need to go to a rural clinic? And a rural clinic would be like, uh, I don't know. A rural clinic would be like a room with a doctor, like not very well equipped, or do you have to go into town to have a planned C-section? Um, still, it's an unacceptable high number of women who just don't get any prenatal care, so they don't know if babies breach, if you have placenta first. Anyway, don't need to go down all that, but we're working on that in a, in a cool triangle between Houston physicians, Facebook, in rural Africa, that would be a prototype in Zimbabwe, but that would spread all over the third world because this is something that's a repeated problem everywhere. So that's a cool thing we're working on. We also have been teaching. So what we do, um, if what we do isn't intentionally discipling others, then all this is just nice stuff, right? Like, um, so our primary task is make disciples who make other disciples. And that primary task comes from Matthew 28, right? So take that personally, and what's the deal? What's the call of my life? My call of my life is everywhere I am, make disciples who make other disciples. So we use 3DM or 3D movements because it's based on shapes. You don't have to know how to read and write. And basically, we encourage the three primary covenants, up with the Father, in with the church, and Jesus as Lord of that church, and out on mission to our community. So we preach up, in, and out to everybody who will listen. And we've gathered huddles of 3DM who are now making other huddles, um, teaching them the same thing, to disciple intentionally other people. Something that we've learned through the Christmas story um, is that in the kingdom economy, real power gives away power. And we are pleased to tell our story, um, the story of our lives, um, and what God has been doing. So one of the ways that we started to do this if we, is we have started a Saturday barbecue at lunchtime. It started out with Jeffrey inviting anybody who wanted to come um, to come for barbecue. And I make a bunch of different salads um, and by anybody that wants to come, I'm talking about like if I meet somebody at a grocery store, I say, what are you doing on Saturday? <laughs> so I would start to ask him when it was time to go shopping and prepare, how many are coming? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, really, like how many people are coming? Are we having five people or are we having 30 people? Um, so it started out small, but it grew quickly. The last um, group we had, I think including ourselves, we probably had close to 30 people. So um, Jeffrey, he should have actually posted a picture, especially for you guys, because you would get this. We, he found some guys in the capital city who do welding and um, fabrication and showed them a picture of the smoker that we had at the farm and said, hey, can you make this for me? They grill, which is called brying, and basically it's just like a little stand and they grill over charcoal. Um, chicken pieces are like sausage. Um, so these guys actually made us a smoker, and it's actually pretty good. There's a little bit of struggle with the, um, the airflow. Jeffrey fights 
it, but we were amazed at how they could do this. So Jeffrey smokes chicken. That's why I married her, y'all. I mean, if you find a woman who knows about drafting and barbecue pits, <laughs> snatch her up. So Jeffrey smokes chicken and pork ribs, which who doesn't love pork ribs? Our Zimbabwean friends love them. And we usually add some sausage into the mix and I make a variety of salads. And um, we, um, people start coming at 1.30, the mayor, um, the older gentlemen come first. Everybody else trickles in 3 o'clock, 3.30, and they stay till about 7. Um, we had another Zimbabwean make us cornhole games. Actually, Jeffrey and I have never played cornhole while we were here in the States. Jeffrey somehow is a master. They all swear that like he was like a professional cornhole um, player because he and his um, teammate always win. But there's nothing to do in Zimbabwe. You can go to the movies. The last time we went, we're pretty sure we heard rats in the air duct and Jeffrey was a little freaked out. Well, you can go out to eat. Um, but other than that, there's not a whole lot to do. So one of the reasons why it's been growing is because it's something fun that they can bring their kids. We actually have a pool at the house that we're living at so the kids can swim. The parents play cornhole and everybody visits. And you know what happens when you share meals with friends and or family? You talk about life. You get to know each other more. And you can solve a lot of problems during those times. So that's become um, a regular thing that we do and something that we will continue to do as long as we're able to. It's become, so far, the most effective and rewarding thing. And also the most counterintuitive thing. You know, when you are first launched, they tell you, do your best to kind of get in, fit in, assimilate. There's nothing about barbecue. I wear my hat and my boots. We play George Strait. <laughs> There's nothing that looks like Africa. And they love it. <laughs> well, happy to stand out in that way. Um, but it, it, is a, it is the seed. It is the growing missional community. It is, that is our first church plant because everybody that comes asks us this fundamental question. What are you doing in Zimbabwe? Why are you here? Man, I love that question. That's just like a softball. Like, just go ahead, lob that up. And I get to tell this story every Saturday to more and more people to say, what are you doing in Zimbabwe? Well, I sold everything we had, gave it to the poor because I love the king more than myself. How can I help you? And they say, what? <laughs> yeah, let's chat. So when we were invited to Zimbabwe, we learned that what we were invited to do, um, we learned quickly what we were invited to do, we, Zimbabwe didn't want us to do. So from here, it looked like a good idea. We were invited to restart a rural mission station. Think the original Alamo, right? Middle of nowhere, Spanish brick structure. It was lost and bombed, but that mission station was planted during the colonial times. So as Great Britain was claiming Zimbabwe for queen and country, they left the church right behind it, um, installed it to kind of settle down there. So in the minds of those who have been colonized, the church and colonialism go hand in hand. So when we were invited to rebuild that structure, they saw it as a deep reminder of a wound of hurt. And they said, you could do that. We won't stand in your way. However, if you want to help, this isn't the thing. So we did what we always did. We said, cool, how can we help? And barbecue has helped flesh that out because we get to ask people over and over again, how can we help, how can we help? And uh, what came out was something 
way bigger than that. It would have been easy to rebuild that mission station, uh, but what came out was hard. We learned that the Church of Jesus Christ has all the components that Zim and the whole world, quite frankly, are asking for us to lead with love, justice, and dignity. I had a vision of starting a farm hub that would multiply itself throughout Zimbabwe, and plans are in place for us to start Haduma farm hubs when we return. Haduma is like the berry farm, where it has both plants and animals, but it goes to the next level, and the next level is uh, we will grow things and raise animals in an innovative way. We will take them all the way through the value chain by making products for the poor. And then we will gather those hubs together. So we're talk we've been offered 100 farms already. So they said, if you pull off this one, you can have 100 more. Um, and how can we not pull off that one? So they said, because you already did it in Texas, we know you could do it, so you're our family. The genius between, or the the inspired part between Haduma is it's not just starting a farm. I mean, that's great, start a farm. I mean, we live in a food insecure place, so making food is welcome. But we, the farm is started by those 3DM disciples. So it is disciples who make other disciples, who create farms that create other farms, and then link them all together. So this is not a farm, this is a movement. Um, and Zimbabwean disciples. Not other white American disciples training themselves. Every Zimbabwean is involved in agriculture one way or the other. It's their staple thing. Um, they work on subsistence-sized plots, and there's no incentive to grow any larger because they can't sell it, they can't move it, they can't make it into other products. And that's where we come in, is because the church is perfectly sized to do that. Um, it is real good news to the poor that God shows up through Zimbabwean missionaries who are making other disciples, who are giving them economic hope at the same time. The good news, in my mind, is that the church can do this. Uh, the great news, only the church could do this. Other people have tried, governments have tried, NGOs have tried, businesses have tried, and all have failed because they stay in their silo. Um, the great, the best news is that he promised to be with us as we do this. Um. So to give you a little bit of picture of what that looks like, um, a farm hub starting in the capital city that multiplies itself throughout the um, Zimbabwe into the, to help the rural areas is um, some of us have driven from um, Houston to El Paso. That's way too big because Texas is way too big but a major city to another major city. And all throughout there, when we drive I-10, you know there's people who live where you can't see. But in Zimbabwe, there's thousands of people. The population of Zimbabwe is over 16 million people. Um, and 75-plus um, percent of those people live in the rural areas. They do not live in a city. Um, so those people, they're all farmers who live out there in the country off of I-10, but they don't have a way to get to the market to sell their beautiful ripe red tomatoes that they grow. They're glorious. I can't even buy red toma ripe tomatoes in the grocery store. They're half green or mostly green. Um, so Haduma, the farm hub, will help provide a distribution chain for them. Um, we will have the truck that will go and gather surplus that they, when they have exhausted all of the marketplace where they live. Um, and through that, we'll also teach them to add value to their um, products. 
They grow tomatoes, they grow potatoes. When their tomatoes are ripe and they can't sell them, they, we're gonna teach them to sun dry them. They can still eat them as a staple food, whether they're fresh or whether they're dried. Um, maybe teach them how to make tomato powder, which can be an export. It's in spices, it's in potato chips, it's in sauces, it's in everything. And it's a 14 time multiplier, so it can help make money for them. So that's just a little picture of, I hope it helps um, describe what we're trying to do. So we started a company in Zimbabwe for Huduma, and through the collaboration with um, other um, local organizations, we have been given prime real estate at no cost. The other hundred or so farms that Jeffrey's talking about are actually all connected to the Zimbabwe um, Association of Christian Hospitals. Mission hospitals always have land with them, and they're currently being underutilized. And they're always around where people live, the most people live. So um, <clears throat> we have also been approached by other um, organizations, um, partners like Econet Wireless, which provides the cell um, service in Zimbabwe, um, the major one, Nestle, and the Ministry of Special Economic Zones. Um, and we have been approved by the government to implement Huduma as well. It grew quickly in, from a partnership that was small of ours into many, many endorsements, all the way up to the president of Zimbabwe himself has endorsed Haduma. And the great news is we don't have to uh, hide why we do it. Um, heart got us to Zim. Uh, the Smith family is blessed to be connected to the Grove. You guys believed in us before this plan was around. We didn't even... This plan came out of your faithfulness to send us to the ends of the earth. And Zimbabwe is not quite the end of the earth, but it's really close. <laughs> we are loved. We know that we're loved. And it's a hard place. But it's no surprise when you send apostles to the ends of the earth that we found a Jesus-sized problem with a church-ready solution. We don't view ourselves as the answer to these problems. We view ourselves as the representative of the answer to these problems. The church is the answer to the problems with Jesus as Lord of that church. That is the answer to the world's problems. To sum up what propels us so we go and represent you all the time saying, yeah, we could do this, which is how we keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger offers is because we believe in a bigger and bigger and bigger God that all these issues are solvable. Is poverty solvable? Yes. Is child marriage solvable? Yes. Is hunger solvable? Yes. Who is best equipped to solve it? That's rhetorical. You already know that answer. He has always come to make all things whole, not just to tweak it, not just to do a part. He's come to restore the whole thing. That's why I say Jesus came to earth not only to change the symptoms, not just to change the symptoms, he came to change the whole rules of the game because he put skin in the game. Emmanuel. Doc Mungai is the one, he's one of the partners for Haduma. He's a former country director for the World Bank and he taught me this. He says, to really change problems, don't focus on targeted adjustments. Focus only on the rules. And the rules to me are, it's unacceptable that people starve to death. It's unacceptable that dirty water still kills people. It's unacceptable that talented, hardworking people can't get their tomatoes to their neighbors to sell them. While the church full of talented, God-fearing people don't even know that story. 
Haduma is the church mobilized through the Holy Spirit to change the rules of the game. It empowers the world's poorest people to have a seat at the table, to apply new techniques, accelerate small businesses, collaborate innovatively with each other, gain market access, and most importantly, make disciples who make other disciples who make other disciples. Take it from this farmer, um, and if you don't hear anything else, hear this from me. Every single thing that God has ever made multiplies. Everything God made multiplies. I know this from farming, and I also know this from the church. He made all things, including this thing, and everything he makes multiplies. The opposite of multiplying is, even in the natural world or the church world, it's the same lesson. If you're not multiplying, you are senescing. That's the biological word. Or the plain one is dying, right? The things that we're involved with, if they do not have multiplication built right into them, because that's the things that he created, multiplication is the only thing. We don't measure success by finances, by numbers. We measure success by multiplication. If it is multiplying, that has God's thumbprint on it because that's who he is. If it is not multiplying, well, you know the antithesis of that. The difference between replication and multiplication is innovation. So as even the farm hubs, as they multiply, we're not expecting the same thing next door. So between here and El Paso, we don't expect the same farm each time. As the Grove plants a church, it will not look just like you. It will innovate. It will do a new thing to a new people in a new way with the same gospel, with the same Jesus as Lord of it that provides all things. You already have planted a church. It was just on another continent. And it looks different. And it looks like a farm hub. And it looks like a replicating system. It looks like a crazy white family. But you already did it. How did you do that? Because you innovated, not just asked that we duplicate this in Zimbabwe. It's the difference between replication and multiplication, innovation. Um, so we are fortunate that there are those ready to financially assist in scaling Haduma. And I'll tell you this because I don't get to see you very often. We've been, instruct, we've been told that if we get one farm up and running, the one in the capital city, there is funding for the scaling to happen. So the next 100 farms are already pledged to pay for. When our ask gets to be as high as $3 million to $20 million, that money's there. So the multiplication money is there. We just got to do it one time. Not even one time. We already did it one time. Did it one time here in Fort Bend County. We got to do it a half of a time on the African continent. Do that once and it unlocks 100 other farms. However, still got to do that one farm. Um, we don't think that Haduma is possible. We declare it for the kingdom as unstoppable. And it's attractive both to the king and the kingdom and the world's economy because it will multiply. Because that's our laser focus. Multiply disciples, multiply farms.
We should tell you um, the meaning of the word Huduma is actually a Swahili word. We did not choose um, a native Shona word because our Zimbabwean um, mentors who have been helping us say that this could be a regional thing for Africa, so we didn't want to limit it to just Zimbabwe. Um, wanted it to name it Swahili, which is a common language. And uh, the word for um, Huduma is service. Um, so we'll see what happens and how far we can go, but we need to start in Zimbabwe first. We need those who believe in us to help bring what we're calling Hub Zero, the first farm um, of its kind to life. Help change the rules of the game by investing in the kingdom to affirm that this is just, holy, blessed, and soaked in joy. Please do this with your prayers, with your giving, and with your encouragement, and with your advocacy with the networks around you. In real talk, Haduma needs $300,000 of Hub Zero to start. That's what unlocks the rest of it. So, this is where I need the church's help. I need the church to help fund Hub Zero. It's a nonprofit here in the States and a for-profit in Zimbabwe, and I know that's a lot of money. I know it's a lot of, it's a lot of money. But it is what the kingdom looks like in action with a real plan to change the rules of the game for the poor. And those rules are Jesus changes everything. For those of you that have been following along and receive our email updates, you know that my family is in a tough spot at the moment. Uh, since we started Haduma, since we started the business in Zimbabwe, since April, we've been living on 30-day permits. So 30-day permits is the same you get if you came to visit Zimbabwe for a holiday. You just show up at the airport and get a 30-day permit. We've been renewing that every 30 days until this month when Zimbabwe said, this is your last renewal you're allowed to have. Now, we've been working all that time on a permanent status there. And that permanent status was approved by the president's office and approves of Haduma as a project, required us to make a mountain of paperwork, it's all approved. We just can't get through the last hurdle of immigration. So we said as a family, um, about October, we said, okay, Lord, November comes, and if this immigration deal isn't over, we're going home, packing it up, been a good ride, great plan, followed you. We thought we were faithful. Well, November came, and we said, okay, we'll, we'll go to mid-November. And <laughs> November 15th, Lord, is the last day we're going to talk about this. And I remember, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that you, we are lucky enough that we have a pastor that loves us. So um, he's, Lance Zooms with us once in a while, Skypes with us once in a while, and talked us through this. And after that, I said, okay, Lord, November 24th, we get on the plane. If we leave Zimbabwe without a permit, that's it. I'm not coming back. Well, December 1st came. December 7th came. And I didn't really understand, which Lance helped me flesh out. What, why do I feel so bad about what is it within me that says I have to keep going? Like, well, why not just walk away. I mean, would you think I was unreasonable after that whole story if I said December 1st, we have no permit, that's it, we can't go any farther. 
I don't think you would. I think you'd be like, well, did your best. When we left for Zimbabwe, my family took 24 Rubbermaid totes. That's all we had left in the whole wide world. When we came back, we have a suitcase, a carry-on, and a travel bag each. Now that's all we have left. And you know what? <laughs> my family would give all of that if the Lord asked it to. And what I was struggling with, um, pray for me, I get through this. What I was struggling with was I thought in my brain that I had already given enough and that something was supposed to unlock magically then, right? And through the Christmas time, I was both reminded and instruct that giving the first 10%, even though for us it looked large in our economy, the first 10%, it's really easy. I mean, I know you won't believe that, but it was for us to give, sell everything we have and give it to the poor. It was easy. But giving the last 10% is really hard. So here we are with the last 10%, right? Why not November 24th? Why not December 1st? Why not December 8th? Why not today? Because I'm not... I'm not, we're just not the kind of guys, not the kind of family that could say, well, I'll take that last 10% because I think now I can do better. Like, okay, this Jesus thing ain't working out, so I'm going to take this last 10% and we're going to move back to Fort Bend County. I'm going to get a job again as a nurse. Well, Jesus, it ain't working out, so I'm going to take the scraps and I think I can do better with it than you can. If I could stand up here honestly lovingly look into your eyes and say, I thought I could do better with that last 10%. I'm afraid of what that means for us. So we don't quit. Where is this going? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Actually, I do know. I'll tell you where it's going. <laughs> He's going to show up. He is near. Does it look like Zimbabwe again? I don't know. Are we going back? Seems like a lot to leave on the table. It has his handprint all over it. Are we going to end up in Zimbabwe? Yeah, I really think so. Is it going to cost us the last 10%? Absolutely it will. Because he wouldn't have it any other way. That's who he is. So this is my family. This is what we're working on. The last 10% all in for the poor, waiting on him to show up, Emmanuel, on his way. So we are planned to go back on the 12th of January. We go from here to my family's in Seattle. Please pray with us. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's hard to be the family that looks like we've done something really crazy in the name of the king and the kingdom. But we see it. We believe it. We declare it's true. Um, so pray with us at Christmas time that the Smith family that you know and love are comforted as we do this thing. And we want to thank the Grove, um, our family here. It's a joy to be with you today and to stand together um, in person. Together we can partner with heaven and we can change um, the life of many Zimbabweans. Thank you for putting skin in the game with us and wanting to partner with us. 
Um, if you would like to support our work in Haduma, <clears throat> on the back of the, the prayer card that we have somewhere in here, um, there, our website is on there. And if you are not receiving our email updates, um, there's a way to do that on our website. Um, please do so. If you follow us on social media, we can't post everything there. So the way to really know what's going on is to follow um, our emails and sign up for those. Um, we try not to bombard you too much, but a lot is happening. Um, and if you have any questions, we'll hang around. Um, we know we just gave you a lot of information. Um, and we'd be happy to answer some of your questions one-on-one -on -one for any um, information or things that you may be curious about. May I pray for y'all as our time comes to a close? And uh, before I do that, if I haven't said it enough, please hear it from me. Uh, it is, I am blessed. We are blessed as a family to be part of the Grove family. Um, we are loved by your eldership, um, and we know that. Um, to be connected to the Grove is an enormous pleasure. Um, we are with you too, even though we are far away. I watched all the sermons online. Um, so I am with you as you multiply, as we multiply together. Uh, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we get to worship you today. We thank you that you are with us and that you are on your way. We thank you that we don't have to have it all figured out. It's okay. You do. And that's all that really matters. Thank you that you want to partner with us. Thank you that you are Lord of this church. Thank you that this church is mobilized to the ends of the earth to be your hands and feet to the poorest of the world's poor, all for the glory of the King. Thank you for my church family and the ways that they show love to me and to Zimbabwe, to one another. Pray all these things, this precious and holy name.